Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. If you have your Bible, turn me to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, 2 Peter 1 and verse 1. And when you have it, just say, I got it. Amen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. As you're turning, uh, let me say uh, that it's just an honor to have everybody. I don't see him in the room right now, but I believe yesterday was Brother Elder Downs' birthday. I believe he turned, oh, he's outside? Yeah, well, y'all know who Elder Brother Downs is. What, he turned, he turned 72, 73? 78, all right. He turned 78, Highway 78, I think it's the will of God. We all hug his neck tonight. Y'all, y'all hug his neck and tell him how awesome he is. And I also believe that today is Andy and Alicia's 20th wedding anniversary. Y'all telling me y'all going to spend y'all 20th wedding anniversary at Bible study. Mm. Y'all, y'all dedicated. <laughs> That's awesome. We honor you tonight. Amen. Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse one. If you have it, just say, I got it. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, I want to continue in my series spiritual growth. This is number three. And would you just pray with me very quickly? Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence and to hear your word. I pray now that we would not only be hearers of this word, but be doers of this word also, that it would affect us, that it would grow us, that it would mature us. And I speak it in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. May be seated tonight. Um, Last week, uh, if you were not here, uh, just a quick summary, just about five minutes here, and then I'll move forward. Quick summary is that last week we talked about these promises that um, allow us to be partakers of the divine nature. These promises that help us become like Christ to reach spiritual maturity or to continue in spiritual maturity or spiritual growth. How many want to grow? How how many want to be better tomorrow than you are today? Better next week than you are this week? 
better next year than you were this year. I want to grow. I want to grow in my maturity. I want to grow in my spirituality. I want to grow. I don't want to go backwards, but I want to go forward. How do we obtain this precious faith? How do we obtain this precious promise to become like him, to be like him? For that is the pinnacle, that I would be like Christ, that I would be like God, that, 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 that I could somehow take on a persona, that I could maybe one day say, like Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. I believe that that concept and that statement is the pinnacle, the paramount of spiritual growth. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. If you've been around me, then you've been around Jesus. If you've been in my presence, then you've been in the presence of Jesus. I think that is the pinnacle that I want to get to, that I want us all to get to, that I am mature in Christ and I am growing in Christ. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that there are things, things that we can do, that if we do these things, that we will neither be unfruitful and we will not be barren. That, that, that we would not only uh, grow, but that we would have fruit to show for our growth. The Bible says that you shall know them by their fruit. And I see that you're growing and I see that you're beautiful, but where is the fruit? Where is the fruit? Where, what, what are you doing that we can see? And so it is, it is in this, it is in this phrase that Peter uh, piques my interest into what are these things? What are the things that I can do that will help me grow in Christ, but also help me become like Christ and also help me that I would not be barren and that I would not be unfruitful. What are these things? For if these things be in you and abound, what things are these things? And so I have broken it down from verse five all the way through the end of verse seven. It is faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. There are eight things here. Eight things. Eight is the number of newness. It is the number of the newness of life. There are seven days in a week that is completeness. The eighth day is the new day. It is the beginning of a new week. It is the beginning of a new creature in Christ that I have become new, that the old man has passed away and now I am something new. I used to do these things. I don't do these things anymore. I used to act this way. I don't act this way this more. I used to have these habits. I don't have these habits anymore. I used to have these addictions. I don't have these addictions anymore. I have become something new. I used to have envy, jealousy, wrath, strife. I don't have these things anymore. I've developed something in myself that I've become a new creature. It is these eight steps lead us to newness. It begins with faith. This is what we talked about last week. We have to have faith. We have to believe in God. You have to first believe that he is before you can even come to him. The Bible tells us that you must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It is faith. That's where it begins. It begins in faith. It always begins in faith. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? The jailer said, how can I be saved? He said, 
You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says that those, that those that will believe on him shall be saved. These signs shall follow them that believe. The Bible tells us that Jesus said in Mark 16 that those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. And those that believe not shall be damned. You have to believe first. And if you believe, according to Jesus, you'll be baptized. And if you're baptized, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They can take up deadly things and it shall not harm them. This is faith. This is where it begins. But it doesn't end there. I believe that sometimes we have adapted and adopted so much of the apostolic belief and, and, and culture that we leave people at faith all the time. That if you got the Holy Ghost and if you've been baptized and you forgive, and that's it. You, you're good to go. High five and, and you're fantastic. Let's just sit right here and be happy about number one. When you receive the Holy Ghost, it is the greatest moment in your life. The next greatest moment in your life is when you can look back and say, I am not the man that I used to be. Yeah. The greatest moment in your life is when you can look back over a lifetime and say, look, look at who I was, what I was, the direction I was going. I got the Holy Ghost. I begin to change. I took this step. I took that step. Now look at me today and the direction I'm going. Look what the Lord has done. That's a true testimony. <clears throat> the, the testimony is not that I am saved. The testimony is that I'm being saved. I'm in the process right now of being saved. This is the Bible. Even if you read Acts chapter two and you read past 38, you read past the 38, you know, 39, the promise unto you and to your children. And verse 40 says, and Peter continued to exhort and preach, telling them now save yourself from this untoward generation. Acts 2.38 is when God saves you. Acts 2 and 40 is when you save yourself. There's some stuff that God ain't going to save you from. There's some stuff you need to save yourself from. God will never put your feet in cement so you can't walk into the club. Ain't going to happen. But the Holy Ghost didn't stop me. It ain't ever going to stop you. It's going to let you light up, turn up, do whatever you do up. Amen? That's why Peter said, now, now, save yourself from this untoward generation. You got some stuff that you got to do. Faith is where it begins. Then virtue. Virtue means, he said, add to your faith virtue. Virtue means moral goodness. It is a general morality. It is moral goodness. This is where people get the Holy Ghost and they immediately begin to become good. I, I don't want to smoke no more. I don't want to dip no more. I don't want to cuss no more. Ain't nobody had no conference with them. Ain't nobody told them nothing. And they ain't read no books. They just know that something's on the inside of me that makes me want to do good, want to be better. I want to be a better wife, be a better husband. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better employee. I don't know what I got, but what I got makes me want to be good. If you get that Holy Ghost, you get that real Holy Ghost, it's going to want you to, you're going to want to live right and do right and be right. But the next step is knowledge. And, and, and knowledge is going to buffer everything that has happened before and everything that will happen next. It, it's hard to get people past general morality without knowledge. Because but perhaps it was a why. Why is it that when I got the Holy Ghost, I didn't want to drink alcohol no more? Why? 
Because the Bible says that your body is a temple and that you should take care of it. And the Bible said that you should not be drunk with wine. And the Bible said that all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. Knowledge. This is why. You see, many of us have been taught what, we haven't been taught why. They told us what to do, they didn't tell us why to do it. They just said, do it because I said, do it. Don't do as I do, do as I say. And, And so we have a whole generation that has kicked out the why, or they kicked out the what because they never knew the why when a lot of the what was actually right. You never tear down a fence until you know why somebody put that fence up. Let me say that again. I got, I got one right and one amen. Be careful tearing down what the generation before you put up until you know why they put it up. It, it, it's not there for no reason. But the, just because you didn't know the why doesn't mean that the what is wrong. Amen? But it is knowledge of the word of God. It is understanding of religion. It is understanding of doctrine. It is understanding of the scripture. What does the scripture say? Not your denomination. Not your preacher. Not your teacher. Not your movement. What does the scripture say? And my job as a pastor is to encourage you to get in your word. Get in the Bible. Get in. Don't take my word for it. I may be lying right now. How do you know? How do you know? Have you read it for yourself? Am I telling the truth? Am I in the right Bible? How would you know? If you have no baseline, how would you know? If you really want to live for God, the first thing you need to do is understand the word. Get that Bible out and read it. Study it. The Bible says study to show thyself approved. He ain't just talking to preachers there. Mm. Knowledge. And we have a lot of people who are twisted in their thinking because they've never heard the scripture. Of why we do certain things and why we live a certain way and why we don't go to these places. And, and, and we've heard a lot of, you know, just random cultural thought processes that have no scriptural root. Or they, they didn't really go from a scripture, scriptural root. They went from a cultural root. And as the culture changes... Now everybody's confused at what's right and what's wrong because the culture has changed. It ain't the 60s no more. I said, well, Pastor Chavis, the Bible says y'all should not leave uh, the, the old past. Yeah, Thessalonians was not talking about 1960. When, 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 <laughs> when Paul wrote the letter to Thessalonica and wrote that phrase, did not leave the past or the old, he was not talking about your grandpa. He was not talking about your old pastor from back, back in the day. It's not what he was talking about. So we have to be careful that when we give knowledge, 
we are giving scriptural knowledge and not cultural knowledge. I made a, I made a, a connection last week where, you know, when, when I was a child, it, it was so prominent just to preach against TV. We just preached against the box. Just the box. The one-eyed devil. We preached against it. If you had it, you was going to hell in a handbasket. And half the preachers that was preaching against it had one in their closet. And you couldn't have a TV, but you could get a projector or a monitor and a VCR. And we found ways to get around. We found ways to really get around. And it ain't a TV. It's just a monitor. And some of y'all, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now. You're like, what is he talking about? This is so weird. But you didn't grow up in the world I grew up in. Some of y'all did, though. You know what I'm talking about. We found a way to get around it. What they should have been preaching from a scriptural standpoint is, I will set no evil thing before my eye. That could have been a box or a, 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 a novel. We don't watch TV, but grandma's got a whole stack of Danielle Steele. If we'd have been preaching from the scripture, then we wouldn't have so much confusion on what is right and what is not right. The scripture is better than the culture. Always. Because if you go from a scriptural standpoint, if you go, the the scripture is always better than the culture. Because if you go from a scriptural standpoint, it takes away all the variables. It takes away all the ways that you can skirt by. It takes away all of the little nuances like, well, he's not, it's not really this. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. Knowledge. This is the third step. It is knowledge. And it's the third step in the process of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Knowledge. You need, you cannot go further if you do not have knowledge. Watch, I'll show you. Number four is temperance. self control. Now we lack self-control because we have no scripture in us. Watch what David said. David says this. David says, O Lord, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin again. It was your word that kept me from sinning. The word helped when I wanted to sin. It was the word that gave me control. It it wasn't the shout. It wasn't the dance. It wasn't the worship. It wasn't the music. It wasn't the presence of God. And that's why people can come to church on Sunday night and shout to the blue in the face and dance. And woo, we had a good church. Hallelujah. But can go right out and do some crazy stuff. Because all that worship gave you zero self-control. Zero. All that worship you did. All all you were doing was getting yourself in God's presence. And when you left that room, you left that. You left all that emotion there. You left all that feeling there. But when you hear the word and you put the word in your heart, the knowledge will give you self-control because you'll look at it and go, "Mm, I can't do that. Watch what what Joseph says when Potiphar's wife tries to get him to, to have an adulterous affair with him. He says, how can I do this great sin against my God? Not Potiphar and not you. God is not okay with this. 
And so the reason that I'm not doing what you want me to do is because of my relationship with my God and not my relationship with you or your husband. And that because Joseph had knowledge of God, he knew that God was not okay with that. And he wasn't worried that he may get away with it in his earthly vessel, but he would never get away with it. And his spiritual man would suffer because God sees everything. If, if we had a scriptural view of the word of God and a scriptural view of God, then you would realize every bad thing you ever do, Jesus is sitting right there with you. When you're sitting there lying, just stop, stop, stop in the middle of your lie and go, hold on just a second. Jesus, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this lie right now? But we don't think that way because we don't have a biblical concept of God. It's always cultural. Will I get caught? Temperance, self-control. Yeah, it is the virtue of one who masters his desires and his passions. And listen what temperance is. The, 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 the definition of temperance in the Bible is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions and his sensual appetite. The Bible didn't say it's one who throws away his desires, who doesn't have desires. It said it's the one who masters his desires. I still have desires. I'm in control of the desire. The desire is under control of me. Hello, how you doing? I didn't die one day. I didn't just fall off the, you know, the wagon and all of a sudden now I get the Holy Ghost. I don't I don't have no more temptations. That's a cultural lie that we've taught people well you shouldn't want that you got the Holy Ghost in you well you should you know what if you had that real Holy Ghost you wouldn't be tempted like that not bro I got the real Holy Ghost but I'm still a man you know you need more than the Holy Ghost I didn't get no amens on that Let me say it again. Let me say it emphatically and let me clear the air for you. You need more than the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not enough. There ain't no scripture in that Bible that says all you need is the Holy Ghost. It ain't in there. You can't find it. It don't exist. Why do we tell people that? Well, you should go pray through. No, what you need to do is get you some accountability. You need to go delete some stuff. You can get your phone, delete his number, delete her number. Don't ever, ever, ever call him again. And you can't do that in a prayer meeting. You need some self-control. You need some discipline. And we hide behind just coming up to the altar and praying. But I prayed and God didn't take it from me. What do you mean you prayed and God didn't take it from you? Is that, is that, what Bible did you read? You have no knowledge of how God works. Somebody, you, you have believed the lie that you could come to this altar and God would just take away your fleshly desires. Now, you got a spirit? Come on up, baby. Come now. We'll lay hands on you. I'll rebuke the devil in a minute. I ain't got no problem rebuking the devil. You got a spirit in you? You got a spirit on you that makes you do bad? The devil, if the devil really made you do it, come on up. I'll lay hands on you right now. Put oil on you in the name. The, the devil can't handle what I got inside of me. The problem is, the devil ain't made you do nothing. That's you. That's all you. 
and I can't cast you out. If you ever meet somebody who can cast the flesh out, don't let them lay hands on you because you're going to fall dead right where you are. You're not going to make it. You need self. You need to be able to get this flesh. That's why we should fast and we should pray and we should abstain from evil. What the Bible says, abstain from the very appearance of evil. Just don't don't even look like you sinning. I used to go to the to the to the one to the one cent candy store, get them old the fake cigarettes that you could roll and you puff the, the powder out of them. And my mom coming with them fake cigarettes, beat my tail. I go down and give me one of them fake cigarettes and a, and a, and a, and a root beer. When the, in, the, in, the, in the old, I'd be walking down the street like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's the word, Thunderbird? Wanda caught, caught a hold of me, beat the fool out of me. Mama, it ain't even real. I don't care if it's real. It looks like evil. You shouldn't even be looking like you're doing this wrong. She said, Court, the devil is so dumb, he might not even think you're playing. He might think you're for real. He might think you're one of his. And that makes sense. That's why Paul said, abstain from the very appearance of evil. If it don't even, don't even let it look bad. If we could get knowledge, then we could understand, Lord, I need more than just a prayer meeting to get me through some of this fleshly stuff. Well, Pastor Jabez, the Lord must want me to be this way because I've been praying that he would take it from me and he, he never takes it. I go down there, I cry, I weep, I pray, and I get up the same way. Well, that, yes, you, you will because what you're dealing with is a flesh issue. So if you want to change the flesh, you need to change your behavior. The places you go, the people you hang around, the movies you watch, the books you read, the music you listen to, are you willing to change all that? Because if you're not willing to change all that, then your behavior is probably going to stay the exact same. You can't, you can't come to the altar and pray, Lord, deliver me from alcohol. God, I don't want to be a drunkard. I don't want to drink. I don't want God and you weep and cry, Lord, I, I love you. You can talk in tongues all you want to till you're blue in the face. But if you get up from that altar... And you leave out of here and you drive to the bar. I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to go to the bar and hang out with my friends. How silly. None of us would do that. I mean, people have done that before. You go in the bar and, you, and, and, and your friend's drinking and, and you, well, I prayed about it and I still want this liquor. So the Lord must want me to drink liquor. That's foolish. Why would you go be around it? We have no concept of the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God that will let you know, no, I need self-control. I need to be able to walk away from some things, cut some people off. Don't ever go back to this location. I have a problem with this, so I'm never going back to that location. I have a problem with him, so I'm never going to be around him again. I have a problem with her, so I'm never going to be around her again. I have a problem with this narcotic, so I'm never going to be around the narcotic or people that are okay with taking the narcotic. Temperance. This is a part of spiritual maturity. Self-control is a part of spiritual maturity. Self-control is a part of spiritual maturity. Let me say it again. Self-control is a part of spiritual maturity. 
We cannot leave it out. We cannot expect God to just give us discipline overnight. He will not. He will not. When you got the Holy Ghost, he put upon you a virtue, general morality. That goodness that began to grow in you and you wanted to do those things. You wanted to get rid of those things. But if you don't have the knowledge of God in you, it'll be hard to abstain from those things. And the things, the Bible says it like this, that when you get rid of that one spirit, if you go back to it, that spirit comes and he brings seven friends with him. That's why you got to get that word in you so you can get temperance, self-control. He said, add to your temperance, and I'm moving forward quickly, add to your temperance, patience. Patience is a patient enduring, a sustaining, or a perseverance. Patience. Now, now, now watch this. Faith is number one. Virtue number two. Knowledge number three. Temperance number four. Patience is number five. Patience is number five. Number five in your Bible is the number of grace. This is grace. Patience is when you find grace. And you realize that I don't have to be perfect. I have to just keep showing up. The people that rest in the grace of God are the people that understand. I don't have to have it all together. I just need to keep coming. (laughs) This is why there are some people in here tonight that have some white hair. Because they've been going to church so long, everything's not perfect. They've had trouble, they've had trial, they've had loss. They haven't been perfect. But every time the doors open, they just kept coming. Endurance, patience. The race is not given to the swift, and the race is not given to the strong. But it's he that endureth to the end, the one who can just keep on showing up. I just, I just keep on, I just keep moving. And, and sometimes I'm moving fast, sometimes I'm moving slow, but I'm moving. Patience is a level of maturity that you get to that the whole world can fall down around you, but you just keep on moving. You be in the front row worshiping. People are like, nah, I know she's going through all kinds of hell. I know he's going through all kinds of trouble. How is he still up there worshiping God? Because I've reached a level of maturity that it doesn't matter if I'm okay or not okay, I'm going to be here. My worship is not predicated upon if I'm doing okay or not okay. I'm, I'm here to worship God. My, my, my benevolence to, to God's presence is not predicated upon if things are up or down. I, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I've reached a level that when things are down, I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to have my hands raised. When things are up, I'm going to be there, have my hands raised because I've reached a, I've reached a level of maturity where I'm not, I'm not emotional in my response anymore. I am spiritual in my response. And when things are bad, I just show up and worship. And when things are good, I show up and worship. And, and, and when things don't go my way, I'm not going to quit. People that have patience have thrown the towel away. So they can't throw the towel in because they don't have a towel no more. I know when people have, people lack spiritual maturity, when every little thing in their life can keep them from coming to church. Lose a job, don't show up. She leave, don't show up. He leave, don't show up. Somebody didn't shake your hand, don't show up. Got a little trouble in your life, don't show up. Had an argument with your husband before church, don't show up. I figure people run the house right now. When people can quit, 
like that, it shows me a level of maturity that they're at. When people are just throwing the towel and things not going the way I want to go, things not happening the way I want to happen, so I'm just, going, I'm just not even going to go no more. She said this, he said that, they said that, so you know what? I ain't even going no more. You lack patience. You lack endurance. You lack grace. That patience, that grace, period, that, 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 that place of maturity where you reach and you have that grace, it's not just grace for yourself, but it's also grace for others. I can put up with you because I have spiritual maturity. You may not be where I'm at, but I'll be patient with you till you get to where I'm at. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just stay here for just about uh, five minutes. I, I've reached spiritual maturity, but I've reached a certain spiritual maturity, and my maturity is right and in line and properly set up to where you may not be at the place I am spiritually, but I don't look down on you and judge you because you're not automatically where I'm at. I have patience with you. I don't expect people to look like I look, dress like I dress, act like I act the first day they come into church. I have because I've reached a level of maturity to know it takes a while to get here. And I'll have patience with you as you grow. And sometimes it's easy. It's easy to offend people, to hurt people by trying to make them grow past their knowledge. When you make people grow past their knowledge, normally it's because they're following a rule. And a rule is a detriment to relationship. Say that again. A rule is a detriment to relationship. When you have people following a rule, when trouble comes, they just disappear. But when you have people in relationship, they can handle wind and storm and trouble because this is relational and it's not rule-based. And sometimes when people are coming along in their spiritual journey, if those who have spiritual maturity will help them along, encourage them, teach them, show them, and be patient with them. They would last longer in the fold if those that have patience could have patience. Amen. Is it good? A part of our spiritual growth is allowing others to grow. He that winneth souls is wise. And, and a part of my spiritual growth as, as a child of God, a part of my spiritual growth as a soul winner, is that I, I allow people to move at the pace that they move at. Some people are bamboo. They grow overnight. You can watch them grow. You can literally sit there and watch them grow. And, and other folks are like avocado trees. Eight years before they produce any fruit. Eight, minimum, you know? But they both have value in the kingdom. Because I like bamboo and I like avocados. Amen? Some folks like tomato plants. I mean, they just grow. 
I mean, you don't really got to do a whole lot. Just put them in the right place, put them in the, in the right conditions, and they'll grow. They'll just keep on growing. And if you pull a tomato, there'll be a new one there in a couple of days. It's just, it's just, they just like that. But, but some folk, they, they take time and effort and energy, and you got you to gotta add some new soil every once in a while. You got to take the old soul out, put the new soul in. If you want to see something, from, if you want to see fruit, it takes patience. And my spiritual maturity in myself is that even in my own self, I need to have patience and endure until I see what I want to see. I don't want to stop right before I was about to produce fruit. I don't want to give up right before God was about to do this next thing in my life. I don't want to give up. So as a, as a spiritual maturity, I need to have patience for my own walk, for my own talk, but I also need to have patience for other people who are coming up to where I, I, I'm at as well. Amen? Patience. I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to finish this out next week. One more. He said, add to your um, knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. Godliness means reverence, respect, pity towards God, godliness or holiness. Reverence, respect, and holiness. The Bible says that without holiness, no man shall see God. So this is a level that we all have to get to. And this is the number six. In the steps, this is number six. Now six is the number of man, right? On the sixth day, God made man. Six always represents flesh in the Bible. Six always represents humanity in the Bible. It is flesh. What is the number of the Antichrist? Flesh, flesh, flesh. Six, six, six. The number of the Antichrist, you know what's Antichrist? This flesh is Antichrist. This man is Antichrist. Doesn't want to bend, doesn't want to break, doesn't want to give, doesn't want to live under rule. If I let my flesh rule my life, I wouldn't be here tonight. The spirit wars against the, and the flesh wars against the, there's a fight going on, ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to believe it or not. And, and the Bible tells us that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. Yes, in the world. I see it every day in the mirror. Looking back at me. Wants to do everything against what God wants for my life. Am I preaching to anybody in that house? I'm giving you some revelation right now. Because me and you looking for, we, you know, we're looking for some kind of great, you know, oh, they're going to put it under our skin. They're going to tattoo it on my forehead. No, it's already in you. When you are born, you are born with it. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. It is 666. It is flesh. Flesh, flesh, flesh. It's enmity with God. Enmity with God. And if you let your flesh go long enough, you won't come back to this church. You let your flesh go long, you won't pray. Anybody ever woke up in the morning and be like, oh, <laughs> prayer time. <laughs> Get out of my way. I'm going to prayer. Nah, that's in the movies, bro. In real life, it's like, oh, oh, oh man, I don't want to pray. Oh, God, oh, oh, my knee. Oh, God. And once you get praying a little bit, then the spirit kick in. You be walking around the living room, God, in the name of Jesus. Once you defeat that flesh, 
spirit gets in there. You hear a preacher say, a preacher say, I feel my help coming on because I got the flesh out the way. Got the flesh, the, the, the flesh didn't want to do it, but I made the flesh do it. And when I made him, the spirit took over. When I defeated the flesh, the spirit came out. And godliness is when we defeat our flesh. Should I get this man under control? And I'm holy before the Lord. And I'm holy before God. And, I'm, and, I, and I lift holy hands. And I have holy conversation. And I dress holy and I look holy. And it's not a rule, but it is a relationship. It's not about you. It's not about rules. It's about reverence and respect. My holiness is not based off of a denomination. My holiness is based off reverence and respect. There's some places I don't go because God don't want me to go. I don't care about you. I don't care what you think. God don't want me to go. Some, some things I don't do. and You may do them. That's fine. But I don't because of reverence and respect. Some activities I'm not going to be involved in. God bless you. I love you. I'm not coming. Because of respect and reverence. God don't like it. I don't like it. Everything that God hated, he still hates. And everything that God loved, he still loves. Everything that breaks his heart is still breaking his heart right now. He didn't, it didn't change. God didn't change. We changed, but God didn't change. That scripture didn't change. And I'll, I'll give you the best definition of holiness that I can give you from this pulpit. This is the best definition of holiness. Is when Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and find nothing in me. That's holiness. Jesus said, the devil came. The prince of this world came and he inventoried me. And he couldn't find none of his stuff in me. The prince of this world cometh and have nothing in me. He looked for jealousy, couldn't find it in me. He looked for hatred, couldn't find it in me. He checked my iTunes, couldn't find none of his music. He checked my closet, couldn't find none of his clothes. Uh, he checked my repertoire, couldn't find none of his stuff. He came, he came, and he did inventory on my life and had nothing in me. Now, I, I would dare say any of us stand up against that. And say, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really holy or not. It is a everyday battle. Godliness is where I take dominion over my flesh. Holiness is not about a spirit thing. Holiness is about a flesh thing. Can you bring that man under subjection? Hallelujah. Holiness is not about defeating the devil. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're off there. We're off there. We, 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 we are off there. We, we have grand, we have aggrandized the devil so much. The, the, the devil ain't in this. If you want to find the devil, go to Romans where he says, take on the full armor of God that you can withstand the wiles of the devil. That armor is about God. This right here is not about the devil. 
That, that armor is about the enemy and how the enemy wants to attack you. These eight steps are not about that. This is not, that's about spiritual protection, not spiritual maturity. I'll say it again for the those in the back. Romans is about spiritual protection. It is not about spiritual maturity. When you come to maturity, the enemy takes a back seat to this flesh. And godliness is not about defeating the enemy. It is about defeating our flesh and the culture of this world that pulls at our flesh. You say, what, what culture that pulls at our flesh? Man, every billboard, every magazine cover, every movie, every song is pulling. Can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Every law that's passed or not passed, every law that's protected or cut down, it's pulling. Don't you feel it? Everything that was once wrong but is now right somehow. Because seven or eight men voted on it and now it's okay. Can't you feel it? Pull it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God through the pulling down of the strongholds. Casting down of imaginations. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's other flesh and other blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. That are pulling. And my battle is not with you. It's with me. It's with the enemy pulling on this flesh. The culture pulling on this flesh. And this flesh desiring to go down those paths. The, the straight and narrow. Some days is easy to walk on. And some days the wide and easy. And I may not hit you with everything, but if I preach long enough, I'll hit you with something. Me and you, we have a problem, and we're living in it. Me and you have an issue, and we're walking in it. And when I can have power over the man, that's when my holiness comes out. I would that men would pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Holiness. Without which no man shall see God. This is about spiritual maturity. And if I'm going to be spiritually mature, I have to learn to lay this flesh down and pick up the word of God. Because the just shall live by faith and not by sight. My faith is in the scripture. And when the culture comes against the scripture, I have to take the side of the word of God. And my flesh doesn't want to do that. When, when, when the activity is counter God, but pro-culture. Yeah. And... I'm closing in just a moment. I'm not going to go any further. I'm, I'm going to end right here tonight. And I'm going to finish the next two next, next Wednesday night. But Our culture is in a place right now where you have to agree or you are ostracized. 
if you don't agree with what's happening, if you don't agree with where the world is going, uh, then, then you are the problem. But when people call evil good, we're in the last days. The Bible says when men's hearts are hardened, we're living in the last days. And in, in the last days, the Bible said it's going to wax worse and worse, and only the very elect will be saved. Does that not bother you? Yeah, very much so. That bothers me. Because I would like to think like I'm elect. And if I'm barely going to be saved, then, then the only way I know to be saved is to be biblical. And that not only pushes me away from the culture of the world, but sometimes that even pushes me away from the culture of the church. Because we're not biblical in a lot of ways. Quiet in the house, that's okay. Here's the deal, if I'm going to pick up the Bible and read it and follow it, then I got to be willing to walk away from everything and everybody that doesn't match up with them scriptures. Not, 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 not just, not, you know, if, if it's that powerful, then and I need to follow it because even in the last days, the very, only the very elect shall be saved. I mean, if that's, if that's the case, then, then I need godliness in my life. I need reverence and respect and I need holiness in my world to keep me straight. To keep me straight from those that are on the outside that want to do me harm and for those on the inside that are spreading lies. Because the Bible said in the last days that the wolves will come and they'll look just like sheep. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible said. Then the last days that the wolves are going to be right in, right in with the whole herd. We're going to be right here and just convincing people and just talking to people. And they're going to be, the Bible says many will be offended and they will believe a lie. And God will send them a great, God will send them a great, not, not, not just, just a regular old, but a great disillusionment. And they'll be disillusioned. And they'll be damned. And they'll believe that it's true. Sometimes one preacher said that sometimes uh, a lie feels like revelation. That believing a lie and believing a revelation sometimes feels the exact same way. How can I be, how can I be safe from that? I have to know the scripture. I got to know the scripture. Do you know the scripture? Right now, if an intelligent, smart, you know, theological genius stood up here and preached to you a lie, would you know the difference? Uh, only, only if you knew the scripture. Because I've heard them. Matter of fact, I've listened to them on purpose. To hear how smooth it is. And the only reason I did is because I knew that I was sure in the scripture. It's, it's smooth. If, if you don't know that Bible, it'll get you. Then you'll be like, whoa, oh, that's, oh, that's deep. That ain't deep. It's wrong. It's what it is. Oh, man, he's a good preacher. He, man, he's real theological. Well, he's wrong. 
And that deception will feel like revelation. Man, I got a new revelation. The Bible said if anybody come preaching you anything differently or even bringing you a new revelation that that they would be accursed. He said even if it's an angel. Even if it's an angel. Here's a new word. No, absolutely not. But I'm an angel. I know the Bible already warned me about you. That's why you need the scripture in your life. Because the Bible already warned me that an angel would come and preach to me a different religion, a different gospel. It ain't real. He said, if, if they come and they preach to you anything differently than what you're being taught right now, let them be accursed. Spiritual maturity will awaken you to the fact that you might not be ready. If you really get in this word and you really start reading this word, it will awaken you to the fact that I may not be ready. I may need to change some things about my life. I may need to walk a little differently. I may need to talk a little differently. And you know what? If I get so deep into this word that I realize that some of my relationships are wrong and I need to cut them off and cut that off and I don't need to be around that, I don't need to be around, then so be it. Because the Bible says if the eye offends you, baby, pluck it out because you'd be better to go to heaven with a patch on one eye looking like Captain Hook than to go burn up hell with two good eyes. He said if the arm offends, the hand offends you, cut it off. Go to heaven and we'll call you nubby, but I better, better than go to hell with two good hands. If the leg, if you can't stop going to a place that you know, if the leg offends you, cut that leg off. Better to skip through the pearly gates, baby, than to burn hell wide open with two good feet. Cut it off. Cut it off. I don't need it. I don't want it. It's sobering because I want to have reverence. I want to have respect. I want to have holiness. I want to make sure that I got this man under control. Or at least I'm trying my dead level best. Amen. Won't you bow your head right where you are? Let's pray together, Lord. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.